0: In Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapters 7 through 9, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now, with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney
1: this is an interesting verse, entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they might sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses said to Pharaoh, accept the honor of saying, when I shall intercede for you, for your servants and for your people to destroy the frogs from you and your houses, that they may remain in the river only. And so he said, Pharaoh said, tomorrow, he said, well, let it be according to your word that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God and the frogs shall depart from you, from your houses, from your servants, from your people. They shall remain in the river only. And then Moses and Aaron went out from from Pharaoh and Moses cried out to the Lord concerning the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh And so the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, out of the courtyards, and out of the fields. And then they gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. But when, I know, on three, one, two, three, ooh. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, breathing room, that's what the Hebrew word is there that he could breathe again. Obviously, some time went by. There was relief. He hardened his heart and did not heed them as the Lord had said. Now, remember, give me your attention. In chapter 5, verse 2, Pharaoh was saying, who is the Lord that I should obey him? And notice now he is saying, according to verse 8 and 9, He's basically saying, listen, Moses, come on, man, ask God to cut me some slack. Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I'll let them go worship God. Notice in verse 9 in your Bibles again, Moses says, Accept the honor when I shall intercede. In other words, if you're taking notes, you write this in your margin, Moses is saying to him, listen, Pharaoh, you set the time. You set the time. You tell me when you want the frogs to leave, and I'll ask God to do it. And Pharaoh said, tomorrow. And Moses said, okay, we'll do it tomorrow. And probably Mrs. Pharaoh probably said, why didn't you do it today? (laughs) Amazing. Moses asked the Lord. God heard him. The frogs died. They gathered mountains of frogs in piles and the land stank. Plague number three, lice. Look at verse 16. So the Lord said to Moses, y'all still with me? So the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your rod and strike the dust of the land so that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so for Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and struck the dust of the earth. And it became lice on man and beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Now the magicians so worked with their enchantments to bring forth lice. But what, saints? They could not. So there was lice on man and beast. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is what? The finger of Elohim, God. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had said. Now, stop right there. Give me your attention. Plague number three, God told Moses to tell, note this, saints, Aaron. You want to note, this time, God didn't tell Moses to go tell Pharaoh. This time, God tells Moses to tell Aaron to act. In other words, did you note this? God did not give Pharaoh a warning this time. This third plague, blow, strike, or judgment comes without warning. Now, this third judgment is against the god Gab, G-A-B, Gab, who was the god of the earth. And you want to also notice that this miracle is particularly miraculous because God is changing dust into insects. This miracle is different because there's a creative force behind it. Is a creative force or or or, or uh, uh, behind it? Now, now the word in Hebrew for lice is the Hebrew word ken, K-E-N, which is a word meaning to dig. Lice is simply gross. Amen. Amen? Lice is gross. They prey on you, they multiply on you, they live on you, and they live off you. Very interesting. Also, you want to notice that this plague struck at the heart of Egyptian worship. Because the Egyptian priests were extremely careful and cleanly, and cleanliness and, and hygienic, with the infestation of lice, it made them unable to worship their gods. With the infestation of lice, the Egyptian gods would not receive the animal sacrifice. So, this brought the sacrificial system in Egypt to a screeching halt. God knows what he's doing. Brought it to a screeching halt. Now, you also want to notice that the magicians tried to bring forth, forth lice, but they couldn't. I'm wondering if Pharaoh said, good. You guys are not helping. And Pharaoh's heart grew harder. And he didn't listen to his magicians. In fact, we don't hear from th- these magicians anymore. Very interesting. It, maybe he had them killed at this point. Because he's you guys aren't helping. I have no use for you. And they're dead. Very, very possible. Notice it says the magicians. Now, I want you to bring your attention to this again in verse 19. Very important. The magician said to Pharaoh, this is what, saints? The finger of God. I love that. This is the finger of God. Why? Why they say that? Because God turned dust into biological life and they couldn't do it. And they said this must be God. Now, if you go through your Bibles, listen to this. You study the scriptures. We find out that the finger of God is a very interesting Bible study. The finger of God. The first time we see the finger of God, we see it here. Exodus chapter 8. The finger of God is pointing to the Egyptians in judgment. The second time we see the finger of God in the Bible is in Exodus chapter 31, verse 8. In your own time. When God finished speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the law, and they were written with what, saints? The finger of God. The commandments were written, and they speak of judgment. You see, the law points a finger at you and says guilty. We also then, you fast forward, you read about the finger of God in Daniel chapter 5 Belshazzar one of my favorite stories he's partying with the boys they're all drunk and all of a sudden he sees the finger of God writing in the wall and it says mene mene tekel upharsin and it means you've been found You've been weighed in the balance and found wanting, lacking. Thank you, Jesus. We see the finger of God. Again, we see the finger of God in Daniel chapter 5. Now, y'all listen to me. Close. You see the finger of God in Daniel chapter 5, and it's judging. It's a point of judgment. So you've got the finger of God in Egypt. The finger of God in Sinai and the finger of God in Babylon, and each of them is the finger of God as related to judgment. You understand so far? In the New Testament, you fast forward, we see again the finger of God. Where? Oh, you remember when Jesus cast out a demon, the religious leaders were jealous of Jesus and accused him of casting out demons by the power of Satan. And Jesus said, if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. John chapter 8, we see again the finger of God. Don't you remember the woman caught in the act of adultery? And they brought the woman to Jesus. And threw her down at at his feet. And what did Jesus do? He leaned down in the dirt, don't you remember? And we see the finger of God write down something in the dirt. Now, we don't know what was written down, but we can safely assume that it was probably the sins of the men who were accusing her. Jesus probably got down and wrote, Harry, on this date, this time... Maybe he was even with that very woman. We don't know. But we do know it was the finger of God. Why? Because Jesus is God. So we see the finger of God again as he's writing in the dirt. You see the contrast here. Now note this, the contrast. The finger of God through Moses showed judgment. But the finger of God through Jesus shows joy. The finger of God through Moses represents the law and religion and rules and rituals and show death. The finger of God through Jesus represents grace and mercy and it shows life. So with Moses, we have the law and lights. With Jesus Christ, we have grace and love. Very interesting. Plague number four. Doing pretty good. Look at Exodus chapter 8 in verse 20. Saints, if you're there, say amen. Amen. And the Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh as he comes out of the water. And then say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they might come and serve. Or else. I have that circled in my Bible. I like it. A lot. Or else. If you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants, on your people, and into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also the ground on which they stand. And in that day, verse 22, I will set apart the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land, and I will make a difference between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall be. And the Lord did so. Thick swarms of flies come, came into the house of Pharaoh, into his servants' houses, and into all the land of Egypt. The land was corrupted because of the swarms of flies. And then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron, and he said, Look, just go. Go sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, it is not right. Notice, sacrifice to your God in the land, in the land of Egypt. I'll tell you in a second. And Moses said, it is not right to do so, for we would be sacrificing the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. If we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, then will they not stone us? We will go, Moses says, three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he commanded us. And so Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you shall not go very far away. Underline that. Intercede for me. Then Moses said, Indeed, I am going out from you and will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart tomorrow from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people, but let Pharaoh not deal deceitfully anymore in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. And so Moses went out, in verse 30, from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. He removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people, and not one remained. Underline that. But Pharaoh hardened his heart, at this time also, neither Would he let the people go? Stop right there. Give me your attention. God told Moses to get up early in the morning, go to Pharaoh, and say, let my people go that they might come and worship me or else. God said, I'm going to send swarms of flies on you and your servants. Listen, saints, this is interesting. The word swarms in Hebrew is mixture or different sorts mixture, or different sorts. Psalm 78 verse 45 says, he sent diverse sorts of flies among them which devoured them and frogs which destroyed them. So we learn that there isn't just one kind of fly, but it's swarms of flies or a bunch of different flies. Now the major God in Egypt, this swarms of flies, this God, his name was Amon-Ra, A-M-N-Ra, R-A. R-A, Ra, was the sun god. Amon-Ra was a beetle-type insect known as a scarab. Perhaps you've heard that. They believe, now check this out, they believe, the Egyptians believe that this god, Amon-Ran, pushed the sun across the sky. The scarab is a beetle. If you know anything about the scarab, then you know what I'm about to say is very, very gross. The scarab is a beetle that lives off of cow dung. They, the scarab, I have to share this with you, would take the dung and roll it into a ball and walk on its hind legs and roll the ball of dung into its nest where they would have little baby scarabs. So the Egyptians looked at that and they thought, well, that's how the sun goes across the sky. There must be a big scarab up there pushing the sun across the sky. True. So as the swarms come, they cover the ground. So the picture here is that you have all these little scarabs pushing these little balls of cow dung across the ground around Egypt. Now, you also want to note in verses 22 and 23 in your Bibles, there were flies everywhere except in Goshen where the Israelites were. God says, I'm going to make a difference between, did you note that, saints, in verse 22 and 23? I'm going, verse 23, I will make a difference between who? My people and who? Your people. You see that? That's interesting because some of the plagues we know affected both Egypt and Israel, and some only affected Egypt. Water, the blood, frogs, lice affected them both. But the flies only affected Egypt, and the people of God were protected. You know, that's true in life sometimes. That's very true in life. I mean, there are certain problems that you and I, give me your attention, there are certain problems that you and I will experience in the world whether you're a Christian or you're a heathen. We both are affected. It doesn't matter if you read your Bible 10 hours a day and you pray 5 hours a day. There are certain problems we all have alike. We will all have back pain. We all have eye problems. Seem seems like the older I get, the worse my sight gets. We all have these problems. Our bodies are getting old. I don't know about you, but Lately, I've been getting up off the couch, and I'm starting to hear a creak. (laughs) It's true. Our bodies are getting old. We are all Christian or non-Christian affected by the curse, and we are reminded of the curse every time you look in the mirror. Every time you look in the mirror, just say, you know what? I'm reminded of the curse (laughs) because our bodies are failing. These things affect us all, but praise the Lord. Listen, Jesus, the Bible says, someday is going to permanently, ultimately reverse the curse because the Bible says that someday we're going to be in heaven and this mortal body is going to take on immortality. No more glasses, no more back pain, no more creaks. No more pain. That's what the Bible says. God's going to reverse the curse. But now there are some problems, plagues, that we won't experience as believers in this world. You see, if we walk in the way of the Lord and obey the Lord, there are many things, saints, that you don't have to experience. I've heard people say a hundred times, perhaps you have to experience is the best teacher. You ever heard that? You ever heard that? Good. Just this half of the room heard it. Okay. (laughs) Experience is the best teacher. Y'all ever heard that? Yeah, okay. Listen, it doesn't have to be. People use that phrase as if you need to go through things, that you need to experience this, that, or the other. Listen, experience can teach you, but experience doesn't have to be your teacher. You can walk in the ways of the Lord and obey God's command and skip out on a whole bunch of pain in life. Parents, can I get an amen? Amen. Kids, listen, you don't have to experience all that your friends have experienced. You don't have to experience teenage pregnancy. You don't have to experience all of this stuff, the STD and the AIDS and the drugs and all of these things that affect the world and in teens today you don't have to experience that you can be blessed you can walk with God and skip out on a whole bunch of stuff I think oftentimes we think we are tested we only have a testimony if we've gone through things well I got a testimony man I was a drug dealer I was this I was that I was terrible oh I was real bad and this is my testimony Listen, that can be a testimony, but isn't it equally a testimony to say, you know what? I walk with God all my life. Somebody should say amen. Good. I walk with God all my life. I've been loving the Lord all my life. Since I was a teen, I've been reading the word and staying close to Jesus and loving God. And God has blessed my life. And that equally, my friend, is a testimony. That is a testimony. And it's a great and beautiful Testimony. And I love to meet people who say, you know what? I didn't do drugs, and I didn't do this, and I didn't do that. I just stayed with God. You know, it's in Psalm 19, pardon me, 119, verse 9. It says, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. You don't have to experience many, many things. So God allowed his people not to experience all the plagues in Egypt. There was a separation. And you want to notice this as I come for a close. You want to notice in verse 25. I want you to take a look at it again. Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, go sacrifice to your God. Note this, saints, in the land. I point this out to you because next time we gather together, we'll deal with this just a little bit more. But but this is the first of four compromises issued by Pharaoh. To Moses, the first of four. And you want to notice here, the first of the four compromises is stay in Egypt and worship or stay in the world. Remember, we said Egypt is a type of what? The world. You see, Pharaoh says, go sacrifice. But why don't you stay in the land of Egypt? In other words, worship the Lord, but stay in Egypt.